Wildcats to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Men's Hoops Show. We are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, returning to chat a little hoops about a double OT dub, the one and only Sean Lewis. Sean, huh? how's it going, man? How's the weather been down there in Ephraim? You know, it's a little chilly, but uh, we'll get through it. But I got to tell you, weird things happen in Pocatello. <laughs> weird things happen on Saturday night. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm here for it. it was, that was a that was a fun watch. Yeah, I you know it's 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 funny, and we're going to talk about it. But like, I needed that win, which sounds really dumb. It's like over the stripes, Coley. Like, yes, over the stripes. Like, they're pissing me off online. So we'll talk more about that. So today's show, we're going to talk a little bit, like we said, about the double overtime win against Idaho State up in Pocatello on Saturday. And then um, we'll, so we're recording this on Monday night, right before the Wildcats play Northern Colorado. So we're going to try and wrap this up and we'll immediately go check that out. So you will get three games next week. We'll talk about the Northern Colorado game. We'll talk about Montana State on Thursday and then Montana on Saturday. So you get a three for next Monday, but tonight just the one. And then uh, I've got a segment called Some People's Kids. I want to know how Sean Lewis sees some of these other schools in the big sky. So I've got some, uh, I've got some questions for him and uh, we're going to see how, uh, how he views certain other schools. A, a little preview. I don't think of any of them highly. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, before we get into all that, encourage everyone, please subscribe to the show, Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher. Also appreciate every, appreciate everybody who's been rating the podcast online uh, really helps us out a bunch. And so if you have a couple of minutes, go ahead log into your podcast app and give us a rating, give us a thumbs up, whatever it may be uh, really helps us out. Climbs in the rankings, tells the, the algorithm, Hey, people like this stuff. Give it to more of them. We're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Great places to find us and chat. I, I started putting some uh, men's hoops, polls up for game day this week. I did. I totally spaced. It's like, yeah, people bet on college basketball, Colby. Oh yeah, they do. You should probably put up some game polls. So we did that. Uh, so there'll be more of those, but um, that's all, that's all to be found on social media on, on Twitter and Facebook, especially. So check us out there. And then of course you can go to patreon.com slash Weber state weekly, become a patron. We've been uploading our premium previews. We did one last week. We were able to get that one out on Saturday, just in time. And so uh, if you want to know kind of what's going, what it's going to look like in the upcoming weeks, we're going to have one for this week's opponents against Montana state and Montana, uh, some very important matchups for the Wildcats and our premium preview will go through the matchups with both and kind of what's on the line heading into this homestand at the purple palace. So go to patreon.com slash Weber state weekly. You can get that exclusive content and we want to say a big shout out and a thank you to our Patreon supporters. So Sean, let's talk about this now, man. Uh, Saturday night took the trip up to Pocatello. Um, this was a this was a, a an annoying win because the Wildcats had given up the the win earlier in the season at the Palace. I was in attendance, watched us lose to the Stripes. And Sean, we don't lose to the Stripes. So how are you feeling going into this game on Saturday? Oh, definitely. Like there was some unfinished business, yeah. right? Going into Saturday, if I have my numbers correct. We were 84 and 47 against the stripes. Um, all time. The one that's, that's all, time. all time, all time. We're 50 and 12 at home. So losing at the palace is like an embarrassment because over- I've seen two of those in my life. I've seen two of them. <laughs> that's crazy. I and, like it. And the, uh, the away record is the, the crazy one. Cause we're 35 and 35 in Pocatello and that's split between their, uh, awful football stadium and their awful high school gym. Um, and no, I'm not going to be kind to their teams and their facilities. Cause 
uh, Pocatello State has some of the worst facilities in the big sky. Um, so uh, I, I you felt like you had some unfinished business, but but as always, weird things happen in Pocatello. Sure. And so you just know going into it that's, that there's going to be something weird. It's not going to be a blowout. We're not going to run them out of the gym. It, it's going to be one of those dogfight type games where you just have to slog through it and hope you're on the the on top when the final buzzer rings and for whatever reason we had to go through three final buzzers on saturday night uh the regulation ot1 and ot2 and and it's just how games against the stripes and pocatello go because literally we're we're 35 and 35 all time in in uh in in orange gym Gym. It was incredible. I don't know if you guys saw the video after after the team had wrapped up, Dylan Jones had sealed the win. The student section on Twitter, the destruction, if you're not following them, you should. It's a good time. They posted that video, a uh, little, little piece of the jungle book there where Mowgli ties the burning tree branch to the to Shere Khan's tail. And uh, I don't know, go check that out. That's worth your time. That was a yeah, whoever's running the destruction accounts, they're they're doing a good job this year. Having a good time. Props well, to them. And the thing is this, that there is a, the student section up at Idaho State. They're called the jungle, right? They're the, they're the stripes. Uh-huh. They're, they're, it's called the jungle. They've been really plucky this season. They've been doing a lot of things. They've been really funny. They've been trolling other teams, including Weber State. And so going into this one, there was definitely a desire to win this game so that we could dunk on them. And you better be sure that as soon as the final buzzer rang and the Wildcats were up one point, Yep, we made sure to dunk on those clowns. <laughs> well, well, not just not just us as fans, but the team, right? I mean, I watched Dylan Jones go yeah. over and pound his chest five times um, right in front of the the stands there, and and after hitting a game winner in double overtime, and and uh, he deserved that. He deserved that. They were they were riding him um, like <laughs> wearing him like a as my old mentor used to say, like a cheap Mister Mac suit, and uh, uh, that's uh, not a not an advertisement. Um, but not, not but the, non-sponsored content, not non-sponsored content, but no, that's, you know, if the fans up there and that's the difference between playing, um, I've been, I've watched games in both, uh, Holt arena and Reed gym and Reed gym, um, because you're so close, it does, it has that feel of a high school gym. Um, you're so close. Everything's much louder in there. It's a different environment and you can hear everything and, and, uh, getting that win for the Wildcats in the fashion that they did was just fantastic. Um, and, and props to to DJ and junior Ballard for keeping hopes alive at the end of regulation and the end of the first overtime uh, to make that happen. Yeah. There were only 1600 in the gym on Saturday night. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Cause it felt on television. I mean, I didn't go Sean, you didn't go, yeah. but on television, it felt like oh, it's pretty full. You know, but then I looked at the attendance numbers after the fact, and I was like, "Really, sixteen hundred? Like, can you imagine if well, how cats put f- our regular four thousand in a, in a gym that size? It'd be one of the most intimidating environments in the conference, hands down." Yep. So, Sean, let's start out. Let's talk a little bit about what you liked. What did you like from this this game? I liked um, just right off the bat the grit that the Wildcats uh, showed, um, being able to to score buckets in the waning seconds of, of both regulation uh, OT one and OT two for for that matter. Um, just being able to to go in and 
tie the game and then take the go ahead bucket uh, by do it all DJ at the end. Um, I, I thought DJ really, uh, um, for lack of a better phrase, really established again that he is the alpha dog on this team. It's for his sure. team. He he's the man. And uh, uh, we had questions in this season about, you know, did we have somebody that was willing to just stand up and say, I'm going to take this game over. And I thought DJ really did that well on Saturday night. He, he was the man that made the shots in the big moments when it counted um, and, and was the star that Weber needs him to be. And I'm going to give him all sorts of credit for that because he stood up in the moment and made those shots count and, and he did not shirk. He did not pass the ball. He, he took that on himself and, and emphatically, I mean, there was the one at the end of regulation was a dunk. Um, and, uh, just, just super, super strong effort, uh, at the end, basically willing the wildcats, uh, to that win and, and mad, mad props to do it all DJ for that. That's what I liked on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, grit is a, is a great way to describe it. I was thinking when when Jones gets the the inbound because the stripes have hit a big shot, they go up one. It looks like oh, I, there were like nine, ten seconds left at that. You're point. in the double overtime at this yeah. point. Yeah, you're. I mean, it looks like oh, the the stripes are going to win. Oh my gosh, they're they're kind of celebrating a little bit on the court. They're being a little casual about getting back. DJ just immediately drives the ball up the floor. And before the defense is set, before they know what's going on, the Wildcats are back up one. It's just incredible. And I, I, I likened this on social media to a couple of years ago when the Wildcats were on the road at Sac State. Sac State had a similar thing where they had gone up in a close one in Sacramento. And IB did the same thing. Immediately inbounds the ball, runs it down the court, a layup. That's the winning shot. He wasn't losing that night, and neither was Dylan Jones. Well, and, and I don't even think you have to go back two years. I think you can go back to last week in Sacramento State or, or two weeks ago at home, uh, whenever, you know, I think it was, no, it was last weekend at home, uh, Sacramento State. Saturday night, 24 seconds left, hits the bucket, and 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 good. And, and I think in the last couple of weeks, uh, DJ has established himself as that star and made the plays that this, those stars make, so... So that's, that's where it's at. Uh, another thing I liked about this was I really liked the bench production. The Wildcats have had a little bit of hit and miss bench production this season, but 33 points now, of course, double overtime. Guys fouled out, yes, but 33 points from the bench in this double overtime win. That's a trend that I'd like to see continue. Oh, and that's just guys stepping up. Um, we had Alex Chu in foul trouble from the beginning. Yeah, uh, he got right two from the start. Quick early fouls within like two minutes of the game started. Um, which uh, one one of the things that annoyed me about Saturday night was Idaho State's game caller talking about how um, everybody that plays against their star, um, <laughs> Braden Parker, uh, Parker, and and uh, gets gets in foul trouble, and I'm like. Well, maybe it's not him, and maybe he's he's a great player. I don't want to take he's it good. away from Parker. He's good. Yeah, but but if everybody gets in foul trouble, then then um, that's a trend that the refs need to pay attention to because that I don't know that just seems wrong that everybody that plays against him all of a sudden's in foul trouble unless he's just the superstar guy that knows all the tricks to get guys to foul him. But uh, that, 
I thought they were a little bit quick with with the whistle on the, those first two against Chu, but. <laughs> But that said, we had guys step up and and step up in big ways. Dyson Kohler, 31 minutes, 13 points. Um, Junior Ballard, 20 points. Um, I'm looking at the right game, right? Yep. Um, 20 points, uh, 36 Daniel, minutes. Yeah. Uh, Ruzan and, and Tamba combining for 22 minutes. Um, and six points, but, but holding their own. So I, I thought they, I thought the bench did a great job and, and, um, the guys that needed to step up did. And, and, um, we were able to, to, and again, I think grit is the exact word. We were able to grit through a game that, that probably shouldn't have been double overtime close, but in a game that is double overtime close, you now know that you've got the resilience that you need to pull those out. And in closer games over five days in Boise in March, um, this experience is going to be big. That's a good point that these are the kinds of experiences that help when you're in that tournament situation, when you're playing a really tough opponent in Boise, it's a close game. You need clutch buckets. You need guys to step up. You can grab from the memory banks of a game like this and say, we've done it before and we can do it again. Yep. Another thing I liked about Saturday, Sean, was the rebounding. In the game in Ogden, the Wildcats were soundly out-rebounded. It was atrocious. But in this one, the Wildcats were ahead in the rebound race. And I think that that had a large... I mean, they were only three rebounds ahead, but I think that it had a large part to do with the Wildcats staying competitive because we've talked about some of the uphill battles like fouls and some of these other things that made the offense sputter at times, but the rebounding kept a minute and I'll continue to bang that drum for as long as I talk into this microphone that if you rebound the ball, if you win the rebounding game, you give yourself a chance. Now, of course there are other factors, but if you're rebounding the ball more than your opponent, you are giving yourself a chance regardless of how the ball bounces. No, I, I, I tend to agree with that. And, um, when it comes to, let me see, I'm trying to pull this up here. Um, just trying to see Braden Parker, um, looks like he's averaging 4.6 boards per game. Um, he was able to get six if he was able to get a little bit more than his normal average, but double uh, overtime. DJ, yeah, double overtime. Um, DJ came, came down with 10. Um, and a couple of those were big. So, um, again, I, I, I tend to agree rebounding, uh, good rebounding gives you, uh, good opportunities to score. So as I dug into the premium preview this week, talking about rebounding, just looking through to see what the stripes did well, what they did not do well to talk about it in the, for, uh, that piece of content. Once again, another plug, if you want to hear that, uh, become a Patreon supporter and you can check it out. One of the things I noticed when it came to the rebounding was who is on top in the conference well ahead of the next person. Why it's Dylan Jones averaging, averaging 13 rebounds a game. The next closest player is Callum McRae for Sac State with 8.5. He is a, you know, nearly five full rebounds clear of the next guy. And so that kind of led me to kind of look through some other things as well. Where is Dylan Jones in scoring? Dylan Jones is sixth in the conference in scoring. Where is he in some of these other numbers? Like I, I'm going through and looking 
And it's like, wow, man, Dylan Jones is really up there in a lot of these statistical categories. And I think I wanted to start the hype train of if Dylan Jones continues to play at this level and the Wildcats can secure a two seed. Now, I think it takes the two seed because I it's going to be difficult to catch up with Eastern, although Montana State is only two games behind them at 10 and two in the conference. If the Wildcats can secure the two seed and Dylan Jones keeps up this level of production, I think he has a strong case for conference player of the year. Because when you look at Eastern Washington, we talked about this in our premium preview for that matchup. They don't have one player in particular that stands out. That's a function of them being a team that likes to share the ball and they do share the ball. They're the best assisting team in the conference, but for Weber state, it's clear that do it all DJ does a lot of things well and does them in clutch moments. And when it comes to, I know it's not a most valuable player award, but it is a player of the year. And I look at all of these statistical categories that Dylan Jones is in, and it's pretty convincing to me as a Weber state Homer to say, you know, maybe this, maybe this Dylan Jones guy's got something here and we should pay attention because yeah. He's definitely in the conversation. And I think that um, there's a couple players that would be in the conversation because I, I think, uh, connect from Northern Colorado would be in the conversation, except as teams two and nine, right. and they're never going to give that award to a, a, a bottom level team. Um, it's the, the same problem as his teammate, Dalen Koontz last season, right? Koontz led exactly. the conference in scoring. I think he did it two years in a row, but it didn't matter because the team was so yeah. bad. Yeah. So I, I, and then you look at Eastern Washington and I don't know that they have that kind of star that that's putting up those kind of numbers. I mean, cause they're leading scores like 13th top score in the conference. Yeah. And, and so I don't think you have anybody that's at that, but I agree with you that, that getting a top two seed is probably what needs, what Dylan needs to, to, uh, to seal the deal. Um, and but I don't know. I'm I'm not a voter for that. I don't know if they give them criteria um, on how to vote that or if it's just most outstanding player. But but that's an interesting. Uh, I think he's in the conversation definitely. And and how they finish out, how the Wildcats finish out the conference season um, with what do we got nine games left. Um, you, that's going to be a huge tell. Um, on who gets that award. I think it's a little bit too early to really shop that award, but he's definitely put himself in conversation halfway through. Yeah, I agree. So back to the uh, original, what I liked, I liked the rebounding Dylan Jones doing a great job there. The Wildcats winning the rebound battle overall and Dylan Jones leading the way with 10, the only Wildcat to get double digit rebounds, but it was enough to get things done. And so Mm -hmm. love to see that. But Sean, let's switch gears now. Let's talk about things that we didn't like. I'll let you go first. Um, didn't like that it took two OTs to take care of the stripes, but that's that, that's tongue in cheek. Um, here's two things that I really didn't like. Um, if you look at scoring, uh, Idaho State scored 12 in the first overtime. Obviously, Weber State did too. They scored seven in the second. Of those 12 points in the first overtime, 10 of them were free throws. Um, of the seven points in the second overtime, five of them were were free throws. Um, to me, that says that we let them hang in the game. Colby's muted himself. 
so I can't hear what he's saying here. <laughs> Sorry. Malfunction. Don't know what happened there. Yeah. So no, I, I didn't, I didn't like that. We gave up so many free throws. Now the refs were calling things extremely tight. We got tired players. Um, you're on, you're on bum legs. So those free throws give you a little bit of a respite. Um, but that's something that stood out to me in the game is, is that many free throws um, for um, comparison. We were shot five free throws and two free throws respectively in those same periods. Um, so uh, we were not going to the line as much in 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 the overtimes to to get those free points and that's something that probably maybe it could have changed the complexion if we don't foul on those shots and we're not giving up those free throws yeah that's that's the thing that i was going to bring up was the the fouls because i felt like it was a trend throughout the night that the fouls really affected the gameplay you make a good point, Sean, that in the two overtime periods, in those 10 minutes, the Stripes shot 18 free throws. The Wildcats shot just seven. So I can't believe that Weber State was just fouling so much that like, I, I, I thought it was a favorable whistle. Like, I'm going to be a homer about this. I thought it was a very favorable whistle for Braden Parker. And when you've got three Wildcats fouling out in a game and not a single Idaho State Bengal fouled out, I got to look at that and go like, really? Like, did we just really foul them? Did, was our game so different from theirs that... Were we really that more aggressive in the paint than they were? Were we? Were we really that that much more aggressive? I can't believe, because like you said, those first two quick fouls on Alex Chu to establish position down low with Parker and they set the tone early. He had two within what the first 90 seconds of the game. Yeah. He had two fouls that I think was a microcosm of what this game was. And I don't believe that the Wildcats were truly that aggressive because I noticed that things really eased up in the second half. And yes, a lot of fouls got called late, but you could say, well, they didn't even shoot that many free throws, Colby. They didn't shoot free throws until like eight minutes left in the second half. True. But all of those fouls added up to three Wildcats fouling out. Alex Chu, Daniel Ruzan, and Junior Ballard, who was the, the leading scorer. Yeah. Um, 25 foul disparity, 25 to 18. They called seven more fouls on the Wildcats. Now, Wildcats won. And, and I don't want anybody to think that we're saying the officials uh did anything nefarious they call they call them like they see them but but it was interesting to say the least that that there was such a foul disparity especially in the overtime period uh with with the stripes taking 10 free throws in that in that first ot good way to put it another thing that i want to talk about was the assist numbers were really low in this one again and i felt like that was one of the reasons why the offense never really got going the way that i think wildcat fans had hoped the wildcats mustered just nine assists in double over in a double overtime game with 10 extra minutes of play the stripes walked away with 13 which is better it's not a whiz bang number, but it's definitely better than what Weber state has right now, because as a team right now, Eastern Washington leads the conference at 15.67. So the stripes were slightly above their average at 11.8. Now, of course, 10 more extra minutes of play 
that plays a factor. Whereas the Wildcats didn't even reach their average in 10 minutes of extra play, which is 10.7 a game. So I look at the assist numbers and I'd be like, guys, we have to share the ball better. If we share the ball better, it makes everything easier. And you could see guys were trying and they would kept turning into turnovers. The turnover numbers were a little high, but I think that overall, if they assist a little bit more, it makes everything else so much easier. No, I, I agree with you. And and I was just looking up the season uh, totals and, and it, it's very, very clear that when the Wildcats share the ball, they are successful and, and looking at, I was trying to see what our season low for assists was. And it was at Montana state when they only had four and you lose that game. And, and every time they're on the, the lower end of their assist total, those games are a lot closer than, than they should be or, or we're getting blown out. And, and so I, I, I think that is a very telling statistic for the Wildcats this year that sharing the ball leads to success. And, and if I'm coach Duft, that's a message that I preach for the rest of the the season. Now your assist totals are going to change based on the the trajectory of each individual game. And you're not going to get to 20 assists every night. You're not going to get to 10 assists every night, but I think the general concept of that extra pass or sharing the ball just a little bit more, um, good things happen. And that's, that's what the coaches need to preach to the Wildcats. I don't know, man. I think that 20, you're right. 20 assists a night. Okay. Not every night, but 10 can't get to 10. I no, I agree with you. I think they should get to 10 every night. I think we should get to 12 or 13 every night. But, but my, my point being is that um, one more than one more pass or one more look, you know, is going to lead to good things. And and we should be looking for those opportunities um, rather than focusing on the total number of assists. I don't think we should have a, we've got to have 15 or we're awful if, if I'm the coaches, but, but looking for one more pass or one more assist, you know, help your teammates be successful. That's the message. And that, that's all I'm saying. Nope. Totally fair. And part of that assisting comes with off ball movement, right? You can't pass to a guy who's standing there like a statue. Well, and I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how they play. And again, you mentioned that we're recording this before the Northern Colorado game. It'll be interesting to see how they, I'm really interested tonight to see how the Wildcats start out against Northern Colorado after playing double overtime. Cause you, you had yeah. a double overtime game in Pocatello. You got to go to Greeley, which is one of the worst road trips in the big sky. It it's just out in the middle of nowhere. And and then you're playing at nine o'clock, so you're 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 already off your normal routine. Um, now maybe you, you say that's two hours extra rest, but I I just think that don't be shocked if the Wildcats start the game tonight flat. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that would be totally expected because, like you said, all the factors that you just listed, really sucks to get to. You know, two hours off your normal routine. It, it's a lot of things. I won't be surprised at all. So Sean, let's name, let's name MVPs in this one. Who's your MVP? And I think we're probably going to agree. Um, actually, I'm going to go with uh, Dyson Kohler. Okay. Uh, I, I now DJ is always the MVP. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. Uh, Junior Ballard, 20 points, definitely deserves that. Had a had a really fantastic game um, in that. But Dyson Kohler uh, scoring, I believe he finished with. Six, 13 or 16, um, 13, 16, 13, um, finishing with 13. I thought he was, uh, the glue 
Um, he made a couple of big shots and, and really stepped up his game. Um, so he's going to be my, my uh, MVP for Saturday night. Dyson Kohler as the glue guy, I think is a trend that I will love to continue seeing. I felt like he has really grown into that role this season that he yeah. really has become that in the starting lineup. He does a lot of things. He makes things happen. I mean, the win at Montana can be directly attributed to him. Of course, Steve has to make the shot, but Dyson is the one there getting the deflection to give Steve the yeah. opportunity to make the shot. And so glue guy is a great way to put it. The hustle plays that make the difference. But for me, I mean, it's Dylan Jones. Dylan Jones was not losing in Pocatello and he made sure that he didn't. And I appreciated that. I appreciate that kind of leadership, that fire, because that's that's what this team needs. It needs some it needs some gumption. It needs some some grit. There were times in the past past teams where maybe the Wildcats don't pull this one out because they have so many struggles or they don't have that person who can be that leader to be that fire. And Dylan Jones is a hundred percent that for the Wildcats. Well, and he's having a great string right now. And and if he can carry this team on his back. Uh, a two seed is not out of the question. I think. I, I think the three is the more likely, yeah, uh, more likely result. Um, but two is not out of the question. But I like where they're at with a three seed, um, and and I think they that puts them in a good position for Boise, especially with the new format. Um, I I think that's. Um, uh, I don't want to see them go drop any further down the ladder. Um, but I like I like where they're at with three and and. Uh, that's credit to uh, uh, do it all DJ and, and the way he's played over the last two or three weeks or the last month, how you, you can talk about it the entire conference season so far. <laughs> all right, Sean, uh, let's talk now. Uh, that's, that's the Idaho state game up in Pocatello. Wildcats get away with the win 72 to 71 um, kept the streak alive. They made note on the broadcast that the stripes had not swept the, the, conference series in 19 years and now it'll be 20. So the last time that the stripes beat the Wildcats twice, Colby Peterson was in high school folks. Um, like to see that trend continue. So now let's turn our attention to the game that I've prepared for you, Sean Lewis. We're calling it some yeah. people's kids. So I've got a, I've got some questions for you and I want you to be thinking of schools in the big sky that fill this bill. How do you feel about some of these, uh, some of these neighbors in the big sky conference? So the first question for you, Sean Lewis, which big sky do you like the most? Of course, bar and Weber state. That's an obvi, but Wildcats side, who do you like the most? If I were not a dyed in the wool, Weber state wildcat, I would be all in on the university of Idaho. I oh, stole my, I would, <laughs> <laughs> I would be all in. They have the best band. I have, I could live in Moscow in a heartbeat as a, it's a charming little town. Um, and, uh, the Palouse is just beautiful. Um, it's good academics and, uh, um, they had, they lost their way for a few years when they went, uh, FC or FBS and, and were in the whack and, and things didn't work out. They're back in their rightful home, um, athletically, but, uh, there's just a lot of things about Idaho that I really like. Uh, the people are friendly. Their fans are great. Um, I don't, I don't feel like their fans are too, um, 
uppity about things and and too big for their britches like i feel about other schools so and and i could i could have easily seen myself going to school there uh plus i i have to admit and, and we all know this but a family legacy my my maternal grandfather was a vandal and and uh so a soft spot in our heart for 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 idaho and and what they're doing up there yeah that's my pick plus as well best, best basketball gym in, in the conference that I haven't been to. It is. I mean, it really is folks. That facility is just, that's the cream of the crop in the big sky conference and maybe one of the best facilities in the West. Uh, Cause it's just yeah. perfect. It's perfect. It's the yeah. perfect size. It's brand new. Like it's, it's everything that a basketball facility should be really something incredible. And I'm with you, Sean Lewis. I want to get up there to Moscow to go to a game because it, I mean, when we were, when the Wildcats were playing Idaho in Mem Gym a couple of years ago, and they knew that this new, new facility was coming, they were building it. We were looking at the renderings going, wow, what a great facility. But I'm with you. If I were not a Wildcat and I, and I were looking around the big sky saying, where should I go to college? For me, it's the University of Idaho, because like you said, the academics are good. They've had their problems, but um, Idaho fans are not dicks. Uh, they're just... It's, That's it's, the best way to put it. Yeah, they're they're fine, right? And, and they got one of the bangingest fight songs in the country. Like... Well, and their, band, their band is... Every time I see Idaho in person and they've got their band there, um, that game is 10 times more entertaining for me because their band is just that entertaining. And, and I, I love what they're doing up there. And, and again, I, you, you would not have to sell me on, on living in Moscow or, or going to school on the Palouse. Yeah. Should note that I went to, um, I mentioned this on the women's show. I went to um, middle Tennessee States game a couple of weekends ago. Their women's team is ranked 23 in the country. Had to go see that 30 minutes from my house. They're incredible by the way, but in their facility there, it's like Murphy Murphy arena or something like that. Uh, the band is right down there. They're not on the baseline, but they're up in the seats just above the baseline. And the band yep. is very involved with like the cheers and all that stuff. Like you feel the energy from the spirit squad and the band. And so I agree getting the band involved is key. And I noticed that tonight in the palace, the band was back. So a trend that we like to see. All right, Sean Lewis. Now, now we're going to get nasty because now I'm going to ask you about some things. What's a big sky school. That's annoying to you, but not really a threat. Who's that school? The, the, the easy answer here, and I'm, I'm going to go, and I know people on this podcast have heard this story before, uh, but my my professional mentor, named, a guy named Pat, um, came come up to me very first day. He was my boss and uh, said to me, I had a bunch of Weber paraphernalia in my cubicle, and he, he says to me, oh, you went to Weber State? And I said, yeah. And, and he's like, you know, there's that always that one school in the conference that no matter how good your team is, they always seem to beat you and steal your thunder. And I said, yeah, I hate Montana too. And he's like, no, no, Weber state was that school for us. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, he, he's right. Any, anytime Northern Arizona is good, they cannot seem to find a time when they're good. And Weber not is not. And, and Weber's the one that steals their thunder. Um, but Northern Arizona, that's a tough, again, a tough road trip. Um, their campus is beautiful. Um, I can say I was there, uh, uh, in a summer doing a summer thing there. Um, 
met uh, Bill Bidwell, the, the Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals had their training camp up there traditionally, oh, wow. uh, met their owner, Bill Bidwell. And uh, that was the year they signed Emmett Smith um, oh, yeah. from the Cowboys yep. and uh, seeing Emmett drive around campus and, and, and see things. It was kind of fun. And, and the, uh, the Cardinals doing training camp while we were there. Um, but that is just a, I, Look, I have nothing against Northern Arizona. I love their lumberjack tradition of when they score the touchdown, they they chop a piece of lumber. Um, they, uh, um, but they're never they're always annoying, but they're never good enough to to go all the way. And and you saw that in basketball over the last couple of years, where um, they 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 always have one guy, uh, one guy who's dynamite, but they yeah, can't put yeah. it together. And 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 was it their coach? Was it Jack Murphy? Was that his name? This is the coach a few years ago um, that thought they had something going and just could never get over the hump uh, uh, in the big sky. And, and for whatever reason that was, um, but I have no beef against Northern Arizona, but they're the, they're the annoying school because they'll, they'll trip up the wildcats every once in a while when you think they shouldn't. Yeah. That was a I long mean, answer. I'm sorry. No, it's a great answer. And I, I can see definitely where you're coming from there. For me, the annoying school, that's not a threat. Pocatello State, dude. The Stripes are just that team that are usually not good at anything. Now, I will say that there there was a time in the recent past where their volleyball team always seemed to get the better of our volleyball team. And eventually there was a changing of the guard there. But basically everything else, we own them. We own them. And now obviously women's hoops has been in in the wilderness for a bit, but we own them. And so are they annoying? Yes. Are they a threat? No, no way. <laughs> the, the the problem with the stripes is that they're they're annoying because their fans want them to be better than they really are. And and you know, the couple fans that are trolls on the socials and and stuff like that that they're trying to to stir the pot. And it's like, no, you need to wait for you need your team to be better before you can make those kind of comments, right? Yeah, you can't talk trash until you can back it up. And right now you can't back it up. Yeah. One thing I like to point out in football, this, we've lost to the stripes all of like, I can count on one hand the number of times we've lost to the stripes in my lifetime. We just, we don't lose to them. And, and they're our rival. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> felt like a rivalry on Saturday, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Sean. So next one up. Who is this? Okay. Which big sky school do you think should find another conference? Northern Colorado is, is the only answer there, Northern Colorado. And it's just because Greeley is such a crappy place to go to. And, I, and I'm not even dissing the city. It's just, there is no easy way to get to Greeley there. It, no, and it's, it's so not. out outside of the, the, it's out of the way. And, and it gives them an advantage. That's somewhat annoying. Um, they're good just often enough um, that they could have fit in the previous question, but you know, you look at the footprint of the big sky and everything else is, is kind of next to an airport and a couple hour drive at most. Um, and except for Greeley, Colorado, and it's just out in the middle of nowhere and, and go be in the Valley. <laughs> that's, that's what I had to say, but, but we know that's not, and they've been good conference members. And you know what? They annoyed me from the very start because there was a couple of times and, and you guys are going to think I'm a marching band nerd, but they would bring their band to Stewart stadium. And it was easily 150 people. 
and and they would put out a sound that was just awesome and then we'd look at the Weber State band that was like 40 people and it's like okay we can't even compete with these guys and mm. and it's sad that while we're trouncing them on the football field their bands trouncing us in the stands and and then we noticed that we stopped inviting their band because it really was embarrassing to Weber State to have this this awesome band come to town yeah, I'd love to see the band game upped, man, because that's a that's a key piece of college football that, you know, maybe is just missing in the big sky. Uh, for me, it's the same. It's northern Colorado. I would not be sad to see them find happy trails in the whack or in the valley or whatever, man, even though I think they'd get absolutely decimated in the valley. I don't think they could hang. Uh, we'll no, see. they couldn't. We'll see what Ed Lamb can do. But um, yeah, was this kid still his quarterback? Uh, <laughs> uh, I was going to say though, I would not mind seeing them leave the conference in volleyball because I'm going to be a hundred percent with you, Sean. I freaking hate Northern Colorado volleyball. Hate them. I, I think there's a couple of uh, people closely associated with the volleyball club or volleyball team at Weaver state that feel the same way. Oh yeah. Got beef, huge beef. All right. The next question, and this will be our last one. Okay, we're going all the way to the bottom. Sean, who is that big sky school that you absolutely loathe? Well, I mean, I've already answered this in in one way. Um, and and the easy answer for all Wildcat fans is Montana, right? We all hate Montana. They're we think they're our rival. You know, obviously they have Cat Grizz that's that's a way bigger rivalry to them. Um, and, and for the same reasons that my mentor, Pat hated Weber state, I hate Montana. Every time Weber's good, Montana is just always better. Um, Randy Ray couldn't beat them on the road. You know, how many times did we couldn't beat him at home half the time? Uh, but, but you know, how, how many times is Montana, you think they're going to have a down year and, and, and they're the ones rubbing it in our face with a trophy or something like that, or a football victory or something like that. So the easy answer is Montana, but that's not where I'm going. That's not where I'm going. Yeah. Cause I actually have another answer too. Montana was too easy. I need something else. Montana is way too easy. The team actually loaded is Eastern Washington. Oh, and, really? And, and yeah, for all the praise that I just gave the Palouse 10 minutes ago, um, Eastern Washington annoys me. Lots of reasons. One, their logo. Freaking <laughs> rip off of Washington State's, which I hate Washington State's logo. Uh, credit my my dear sister-in-law Katie just graduated with her PhD from Washington State. So I have okay. to give some credit to, to the school up there. Congrats but I hate that whole eagle shaped with the letters. I hate the cougar shaped with the letters that Washington State does. All that theirs is classier than Eastern's is. Eastern's is just just awful. I hate that red field. Oh, bro. That red field burns your retinas. Trash. It, it is just why um, I, it bugs the fact out of me that the, they do more with less because their teams are still good, even though the university is broke, even though they have no administrative support for athletics. Um, there are active members on their campus that are trying to kill athletics in all way, shape and form. Um, and, and that's documented. Um, and I, <laughs> The only redeeming, you're going to laugh at this, Colby. The the only redeeming thing that Eastern Washington has given the Big Sky Conference is Joe Craven's block chick, chicken dance, the block <laughs> charge chicken dance. And that's a deep cut for Wildcat fans. Yeah. That is the only redeeming thing that Eastern Washington has given the Big Sky Conference. Oh, man. I, I mean, I thought you were going to say a 2010 national championship, but he's not even willing to give that. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, the uh, I'll wrap up the segment and I'll say the annoying, the, the team that I absolutely loathe, and it's going to sound dumb, but like I hate Sac State. I hate them. Like, what are you? Get out of my face. Like, uh, case in point. They're a gnat. They are a gnat, but like they annoy me. Like, I just loathe them. It's like, I don't like anything you do. Here's a good example. Last season, now this is softball. Last season, I thought we had the pitcher of the year in Arissa Henderson. I really did. Arissa Henderson was absolutely dominant. She was incredible. She had the numbers, but she didn't pitch as many innings because the Wildcats had a very good stable of pitchers that they could go to. So her innings pitch number was lower than Marissa Bertuccio's. Well, Bertuccio wins the pitcher of the conference pitcher of the year. Okay, fine. Then look, the conference tournaments in Ogden, folks, simple as that. <laughs> I know that, you know, we might've played in Portland state recently, but the conference tournament gets played in Ogden. Cause that's what it is. So last season we played a conference tournament in Ogden and Sac state comes and they bring their pitcher of the year. And guess what? Two times earlier in the season, or maybe at least once, once or twice, the Wildcats had roughed up Marissa Bertuccio. She could not pitch the Wildcats. This is your conference pitcher of the year. So much so that when the Wildcats faced Sac State in the conference championship game on our field, they didn't even pitch her. She didn't even appear. This is the championship game and they have the pitcher of the year and they didn't even bring her out of the dugout because they knew that if they brought her out, she'd get ripped up. And that just is like a microcosm of the annoyingness of Sac State. I hate uh, Asher O'Hara's dumb little jump into the end zone. I hate so very many things about Sac State. I hate your back-to-back, you know, conference championships. Dumb. When you didn't hey. play, when you didn't play you didn't, one of the seasons in the yeah, middle. Yeah, you didn't play the spring. Dumb. You're dumb. I don't like Sac State. A green team, and we all know how we feel about green teams on this show. <laughs> all right, guys, we well, got that, a. That's a deep- that's a deep cut, Colby. I was not expecting Sacramento State to be the team you love. That, that's impressive. I just, there's nothing. There's no redeeming quality about you. you suck. Your gym is trash. The nest is garbage. Your volleyball team pisses me off. Your your softball team sucks. Your football team is upstart. Now you guys are going to go back to the basement where you belong. Like, what do you do for me? You do nothing. You just piss me off. That's all you do. I hope somebody takes the last three minutes of Colby and puts it on big sky, big takes and, oh. and, and, and just puts that in, in out of context with any team, um, <laughs> because those are great sound bites that could be used for anybody. And you broke them up just so nicely. So, if, so hopefully somebody does that on the podcast network. If they did that to Idaho, I would be very, very sad. Cause we've all, we both just talked about our, you know, our, yeah. our affection for Idaho, but all right, folks, we got to hurry and wrap this up. Uh, tip off is very, very soon. So Thursday, February 9th, Wildcats will take on Montana State in the in the Palace, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Get your tickets at Weber State's uh, WeberStateSports.com, ESPN Plus for those out of market like myself and Sean, or 103.1 The Wave. It's blackout, so wear your black to that game. Saturday, February 11th, Montana comes to town, folks. You know what it is. We don't like them. We are the the two winningest, most winning programs in Big Sky history. Uh, anytime that we play, it's bad blood. It doesn't matter how good they are, or how bad we are or whatever. It's always a tough game. It's on our floor. It's purple out, get there, get loud, boo the Grizz. Then Thursday, February 16th, uh, at Sac State, boo, 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, ESPN Plus or 103 won the wave. Then, of course, the Saturday, February 18th, up to Portland to take on Portland State, 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, ESPN Plus or 103 won the wave. Then the following week, 
We're getting down to the end of the season here. Thursday, February 23rd uh, against Eastern Washington. That will be an important game, folks, because the Wildcats came up just short of ending Eastern Washington's win streak, which now is like 13 games or something. It's some insane number. So they're still undefeated and we need to be like the 72 Dolphins. We've got the last undefeated team in 2003. We need to make sure that we stay the last undefeated team. Yeah. So Weber State. Eastern Washington, they'll face each other in the palace on Thursday, February 23rd, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Get your tickets. ESPN Plus or 103 won the wave. I think there's a giveaway at that game, too. There's, oh, there, oh, no. Alumni is doing like a, a, a tailgate carnival thing. So check that out. Um, but it's going to be cool. And then finally, Saturday, February 25th uh, versus Idaho, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Tickets at WeaverStateSports.com, ESPN Plus or 103 won the wave. All right. Email us, WeberStateWeekly, gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash WeberStateWeekly if you want that good premium preview content. Want to thank Sean Lewis for taking some time with me to chat men's soups. We'll wrap it up like we always do. Weber State, Weber State. Great, great, great. Go Wildcats.